So I'm 30 years old now. I was diagnosed at 28 and I experienced symptoms when I was 24 uh, and I just didn't know what they were. I experienced like tingling in the fingers and um, twitches in my eyes. And uh, I just thought that I'm really stressed. I was in grad school getting my master's degree and I just thought, well, this is, you know, it's just, I'm just not sleeping well. And I uh, partook in a, not the healthiest lifestyle. So I was like, oh, brushed it off. It went, it went away. And then when I was 28, the symptoms came back, but this time they came back with like a vengeance. I started losing complete feeling in the whole right side of my arm. And like the tingles kept getting more and more severe and prominent and then my right leg uh the same thing was happening I had like some hearing loss my balance was just shot and my strength like i couldn't even really carry my book bag welcome to the plant-based dfw podcast weekly show with dr riz and maya a show broadcasted from the dallas fort worth area that focuses on lifestyle medicine this is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic approaches, such as a whole food plant-based diet, regular physical exercise, adequate sleep, and stress management to treat, prevent, and oftentimes reverse lifestyle-related chronic diseases that are all too prevalent. Every week, they feature a guest who speaks on one of these lifestyle medicine pillars. This show is for you, the person who is seeking to improve your overall wellness and quality of life. So whether you are driving, walking, or relaxing at home, we hope this show will provide you one more tool for your wellness toolbox. Let's meet today's podcast guest. Welcome back to another episode of the Plant-Based DFW Podcast Show. This is Maya Acosta, and today's guest is Rachel Haddad. She is a certified personal trainer, certified health coach, a middle school math teacher, and the founder of Chronic Movement. At the age of 24, she began to notice changes in her body. By the age of 28, she would be diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Although this diagnosis was life-shattering, Rachel refused to accept the reality that she would have to solely depend on medication for the rest of her life. She spent countless hours researching the best diet for optimal health. She discovered that the whole food plant-based diet was the best diet to calm her body down. Soon she would incorporate pillars of lifestyle medicine such as daily movement and meditation to support her overall health. Her recovery has been miraculous. She soon began her business called Chronic Movement to encourage individuals with chronic conditions to join the movement to reclaim their health. You can learn more about Rachel and her chronic movement by following her on Facebook and Instagram. And her website will be up soon. All those links will be in the show notes. Let's welcome Rachel. Hi. We are going to learn about you, your story, and then chronic movement, which is really, I want to say, a movement of really helping to raise awareness about um, living with MS, but also what you can do to kind of manage your symptoms and and really take control of your own health. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, it can be applied for anyone living with any type of chronic condition. Awesome. 
And one thing that I wanted to do that I'm not used to doing on the podcast is to kind of define the condition that we're talking about just so that people can have more of a clear understanding of what symptoms may appear. I know from what I've read that every individual can have a different experience. And so um, after I read this, I'd love to know like, and I know that we'll learn about this as we talk more, but I'd like to know like what symptoms you're experiencing or have experienced based on this definition. Okay. Okay, so according to this this definition that I found, um, multiple sclerosis is a disease that impacts the brain and spinal cord, which make up the central nervous system that controls everything we do, whether it's taking a physical step or solving a complex problem. The exact cause of MS is unknown, but we do know that something causes the immune system to attack the brain and spinal cord. The resulting damage of the myelin that insulates wire-like Uh, nerve systems is a disruption of signals to and from the brain. The interruption of communication signals causes unpredictable symptoms such as numbness, tingling, mood changes, memory problems, pain, fatigue, blindness, and paralysis. And, you know, like I've said, everyone's experience is different. The losses can be temporary or long-lasting. Most people initially have relapsing remitting MS. And I'm wondering if you know about that. So we'll come back to that, what relapsing remitting MS is, where um, they experience attacks of new symptoms followed by periods of time when those symptoms go away, partially or completely, and others experience gradual and ongoing loss of function without distinct attacks, which is also known as progressive MS. Have you experienced any of these symptoms that I just read? Oh, yeah. So I'm 30 years old now. I was diagnosed at 28. And I experienced symptoms when I was 24 uh, and I just didn't know what they were. I experienced like tingling in the fingers and um, twitches in my eyes. And uh, I just thought that I'm really stressed. I was in grad school getting my master's degree and I just thought, well, this is, you know, it's just, I'm just not sleeping well. And I uh, partook in a like kind of not the healthiest lifestyle. So I was like, Oh, brushed it off. It went, it went away. And then when I was 28, the symptoms came back, but this time they came back with like a vengeance. Uh, it, it took me out. I was working at school as a teacher and I, I had like, um, I started losing complete feeling in the whole right side of my arm. And like the tingles kept getting more and more, um, severe and prominent. And then my right leg, uh, the same thing was happening. Um, I also had like some hearing loss, uh, which was like pretty uh, frightening. My balance was just shot and my strength was, uh, it went from like, I couldn't even really carry my book bag into school or lunchbox. I remember uh, having to have a student help me carry my bags to the car when I was going home. I was like, I can't, I can't be here anymore, you know, so. You look great and you look so much younger than your age. You look awesome. How are you feeling today? Uh, thank you. Uh, how am I feeling today? Today I feel pretty good. Um, I did a 10 mile bike ride in the morning because I was feeling really good. I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> use this up. Um, but I'm feeling really good. 
Awesome. Let's start from the beginning to learn a little bit about you. Um, right now you're living in Detroit. I don't know if you're originally for, from Detroit, but you also talked about graduate school. So can you kind of uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself before we kind of move into the diagnosis part of it? Um, were you already interested in being a health coach and working with people in this modality or is there, did um, that change once you had your diagnosis? I initially started, um, I want, you know, I wanted to be a teacher and I was good at it. Um, and, and I'm a teacher right now still. And I went to grad school. But during this whole period of my life, of um, after like post high school, I and even during high school, I would uh, I drank a lot. So I drank a lot. Um, and I got my bachelor's degree while I was drinking. I got my master's degree while I was drinking and partying and hanging out. Uh, and I'm a math major and um, I went to university of Michigan. So like I went to these like good schools and I have these degrees and, um, but it, I was like, uh, I wasn't living a life that was um, true to myself and I just didn't know it yet. I, so um I was teaching, I showed up to work, I did what I was supposed to do, I got the next degree, I went to this and I, um, you know, I went to all the things to grow myself as a teacher, but I wasn't really like, you know, I wasn't like on fire about anything. Um, so I wasn't thinking about being a health coach, I was mostly thinking about um, going to work and can't wait for the weekend so I can hang out and do the whole for me, what was the standard lifestyle? Just keep going. I trained people here and there. I wasn't really, I ate a standard American diet. I ate um, so much food that was not good for me. I ate a lot of fast food. Mm -hmm. And then that brought me, you know, kind of really poor lifestyle choices, a lot of stress. I think a lot of us can identify with the fact that we're just doing what we believe we're supposed to be doing, which is when we pursue a career, right? So our education is important. We we're working on our future. And a lot of the times when we are drinking, it's just to sort of alleviate some of the stress or in order to kind of add some fun to the tension that we're living every day. Um, and then the standard American diet is kind of like the default diet. Were you feeling like kind of any pressure from family to kind of continue to pursue school to move on to graduate school? So uh, my whole life, it was really spoken to me how important school is, you know, uh, my parents are immigrants. My mom would always, you know, tell me like, you know, you don't need to do anything in life before you get your education. You don't have to feel the pressure to, to get married or do this, you know, all in the meantime, while she's pressuring me to get this education, she's like, no pressure, <laughs> college forever. Um, but you know, it's with good intention. I do love teaching and I do um, love my experiences with the students. And uh, there was a lot of, you know, go to school, get, you know, go to school, you need to get the career, you need the health insurance. My husband and I often talk about that because we're both children of immigrants. You're kind of like that first generation that's expected to to take advantage of the opportunities that your parents just provided for you. So it's like, yeah, I that's how I was in college. It's like, no, no social life. I have school. I have a purpose. I have things to take care of. So I can identify with that. So now you reach. Um, so now you're in graduate school. And do you want to start at that point? Or is there anything else you'd like to tell us about growing up? 
growing up, I, you know, a couple things that, uh, they link to MS just to kind of talk, you know, and, and I've been, as I continue to research and read, cause it's like, um, something I love to do is continue to learn about disease and nutrition. And, uh, but something I learned about MS is, uh, folks who have, who have had like mono or EBV virus, um, tend to develop MS and also like a, a, a head injury, which I had a few in high school playing soccer. They tend to develop, go on to develop um, MS and then like being under uh, a stressful traumatic childhood and stressful experience of which, you know, all three of those, I just, um, you know, hit the bell for. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I'm glad that you touch on that because um, you and I, you know, with our backgrounds and what we know today, we know that a lot of these national organizations that talk about various diseases don't always tie in, the, say, the um, emotional aspect to disease, the spiritual aspect, the trauma, perhaps, that we've suffered in our younger years. They don't talk about that. And um, on our show, we often talk about lifestyle medicine, which really looks at the complete individual and all the components that can contribute to disease, like stress, Stress is one of them, the lack of connection um, it, with love, you know, with in, I guess the lack of connection with people in general, but also not having like healthy relationships, all of that can contribute to disease. And as we talk more about um, as when we move forward and talk about your job as a health coach, you'll talk about things that last cell medicine covers like exercise, meditation, um, proper nutrition, all the things that can contribute to wellness. So now take us to back to where you were talking about um, you're in graduate school and you began to have these symptoms. And this is so important because part of your story is keeping this a secret. Yeah. So I'm in graduate school and um, I'm very stressed and I'm, and I'm just numbing through drinking and, and hanging out and, so I'm just coasting through graduate school and I'm feeling these symptoms, but I'm continuing to drink to avoid them. And they, they disappear. They do disappear. Um, and that's a part of the relapsing remitting part of MS uh, where symptoms show up and then they go away and people recover uh, for the most part and they recover in different ways. So for me, um, I believe, you know, I can speculate as much as I want, but I believe that those you know, symptoms were, um, like maybe, so anyways, I recovered from those symptoms. They went away. Um, I finished grad school. I got my master's degree in public administration and leadership, uh, because in my mind I was going to be a principal. I was going to be a principal of who knows what high school, um, post grad school, I think two years after grad school is when, um, I just moved to Detroit and uh, I was dating someone and it was like not the best fit and it was like pretty stressful. And um, so I'm under a lot of stress, just moved to Detroit and these symptoms start coming up and it's like my eyes are, my eyes twitching, you know, all the time. And then, uh, then my hands started being tingly and then uh, my hearing. So I started going to, I'm just fishing at this point. I'm just fishing for what is going on. Um, and I still wasn't ready to leave this lifestyle. So I still continued to um, hang out 
so I'm, I go to this doctor, but I went to an ear specialist to test my hearing to see if that's why my balance was off. And, you know, uh, so, and my hearing was great and there was nothing there. And then, you know, I got my eyes checked. I, I don't, I went to a plethora of different doctors until one of them was just like, you need to go see a neurologist. Um, so I went to a neurologist and, uh, you know, I share all my information and he, he says, my mom's with me too at the time. And my mother and I are like super close. Uh, and he says to me, I think you have MS and I just lost it. And I just start crying and it wasn't an official diagnosis or anything. It was a speculation. And he continued to say, it's a speculation and we'll do an MRI to determine further. And my mom's sad and crying and I'm sad and crying uh, because when, when people think of MS, you know, the first thing, I mean, I don't know what comes to others' minds, but what came to my mind was like, my life is over, you know? <laughs> I went and I did the MRI. It was very interesting because the day that Sunday he called me um, it was a Sunday morning and it was like 7 a.m. And I had plans in the afternoon to go to like a football tailgate um, party, you know, uh, except for he called me and he said, Rachel, you have MS and I need you to go to the hospital. This is 7 a.m., you know, and I'm just like, I need you to go to the hospital and um, get steroids to bring down the swelling. And I just like, I had, I just called my mom. I was like, okay, bye. I just called my mom and I was like, mom, we gotta go. And then my whole life changed. Did you have sort of mixed feelings or maybe not at that moment? I guess once you have time to process, there's probably, okay, the awful fear of the diagnosis, but the relief that at least you have found the reason why you're, you know, you've been experiencing these debilitating kind of symptoms like the tingling and the numbness and things like that. It was a ton of fear. It was a ton mm -hmm. of uh, uncertainty, but it was also um, like, I don't know what crossed over me, some, some, something empowering because I went there, I packed my bag, I brought my guitar with me. I was like, we're going there and I don't, I don't know what this is or what's going on, but I knew that I was going to um, face it like, I knew I was going to face it as Rachel. Like I knew that I was going to be there. Like me, Rachel was going to be there and she could handle it. But it was very, it was very scary. What self-awareness you have to say that, you know, you're going to be there for yourself. That is amazing. So what happened next? Because you mentioned it as part of your story is that, you know, you did receive the diagnosis and then you decide that you are going to basically hide it from the world. So I received this diagnosis and I have been, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming out of this and I'm like reflecting on myself and I got well in a bubble, you know, I healed inside of a bubble. I did not tell, um, I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I missed, uh, like a month of work. I took a month off of work because with MS, like there's like this bounce back period of, um, like I couldn't. I was so exhausted all the time. Uh, my brother, this is just a memory that I have is my brother's in my apartment in Detroit and he's wiping the floors and the counters and he's helping because I'm just so tired that I can't even, um, 
I just physically can't even clean. Like I can't even clean up after myself. Um, and I just remember, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to share these parts of me because I didn't want the pity, you know, my family, they're not going to pity me. I mean, they're not going to pity me. They're not going to, um, they're going to lift me and hold me and try to, uh, be there for me in any way possible. But, um, I was scared of outsiders knowing anything because I didn't want to be judged or looked at like I, you know, like feeling bad for me or that I have disabilities. Um, a couple times, uh, a friend asked me if I had looked into getting disability paperwork for my job. And, uh, at that time, I emotionally wasn't able, like, I didn't know how to respond to that other than like with anger. And, um, you know, I just wanted to be like, excuse me. <laughs> it's understandable that you wouldn't want to really have anybody know about this until you probably reached a level of coping that you were comfortable with. And then you could um, come out and tell people. And so what changed? I had to work on my emotional uh, sobriety, if you will, emotional strength. Uh, I had to, like, I just was diagnosed with, um, and I'm just two, two and a half years in now, and I'm still learning to love and accept the Rachel who um, was diagnosed with MS. You know, it was like a new thing for me to learn. Um, and that more and more, I continue to learn about it and, and honor, um, like if a symptom shows up, it's, it's, it's a cue for compassion. It's not, um, but when I was first diagnosed, I took it as like, well, I'm a failure and I'm not even, you know, and this is pop, you know, I didn't know how to treat myself gently. Uh, I wasn't ready to, to share because I wasn't able to set boundaries for myself to protect, you know, what really is like a sacred experience that I'm having like a health experience I'm having with myself to just replenish whatever uh, was taken the first you know the first relapse I had and I truly do believe um, that replenishing ourselves emotionally and physically uh, gives us like a strength so now I'm more comfortable to tell people oh this is a condition that um, I was diagnosed with I'm learning I also don't need to tell people. I'm learning that there are people who des deserve to know, if, if that makes sense, people who are mm -hmm. able to hold the space for, for it. And then there's just people who, I don't have to go screaming on, at the top of my lungs. I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate that you're here with us sharing this story. I, a lot of times I think that when individuals um, want to share, say, a testimony, a personal story as profound as yours. I think you do so much for the world when you do. And that's if you're comfortable, like you said, you just never know who is out there living with the same situation and maybe has not known how, you know, what the first step is. And also um, the program that you've developed and the work that you're doing is rare in this field. Not many people are talking about the importance of nutrition and exercise. And also you touched on two things that I now practice in my life, self care, which compassion for myself is part of that. 
and setting boundaries, which is true. Not everybody, not everyone has an ear to listen or to really just be there for you. You have something to kind of add to that piece though. So when protecting my health and the diagnosis and talking about it and like surrounding it with compassion and care uh, and responsibility, really, I have a health team um, that I speak to. It's my therapist. It's my, um, I have a naturopath. I have a functional medicine doctor. I have a neurologist. I have a primary care physician. They're all plant-based except for the neurologist, but I have curated this health team for myself. Uh, and they are the only folks other than my mom, uh, and some other MS, um, Tra fellow travelers, if you will. Uh, but they are the only people that I will speak to my health about as far as like issues or problems and other things too. But they are where I concentrate that. So that way I'm not speaking to just any old person about my health, about negative things, or I'm not feeling good or this or that, because that's when um, with the psychology, we can get caught into, I can get caught into a pity trap. And I will feel bad for myself. So I create these, I've created like these containers where I can speak freely about my health, but then I kind of know my audience, if that makes sense. Um, yes, that's awesome. And I'm so glad that you talk about your team. That's exactly what I was um, alluding to a little bit earlier when I said, um, who are the specialists that you work with, but you curated, you handpicked the individuals that you wanted on your team to support you who live and, um, and support your your health choices. So since you are talking about positive psychology, can we touch a little bit on that? You said fellow travelers. MS is, is here on this journey and uh, I want to give it a, a lifestyle where it's not irritated. I want it to be calm. I don't want to, you know, put meat and dairy and throw all this junk at MS and then it, it reacts, you know, it's like a simple, so I want to keep it, I do live with MS and I want to keep it living calm. May, I also use the word catalyze a lot. I don't know, like it's a catalyst. Um, so because I do AA and um, other things, they use that word trigger a lot and it's thrown around those rooms like trigger, trigger, trigger. I just feel like everything's a trigger for everybody. So Rachel, you have mentioned drinking in the past, you know, that you you drank when you were younger in college and all that. And, and now you just kind of brought up recovery and going to AA meetings. I just go with the fact um, that alcohol is like poisoning to all bodily functions, to nerve functions. And, you know, if, if there's a study or two that come out and support it, and that, you know, if people choose, um, but mm -hmm. for me, alcohol is a huge no-no because I think uh, it also adds to the depression piece. Uh, and that is a huge um, issue with people with MS. So people with MS tend to uh, have like higher rates of depression. I was just reading a study the other day that was talking about outcomes for MS of people who are depressed are a lot worse than outcomes for people who live a positive life. So that's um, another reason why like emotional sobriety is so crucial, um, which is why I go to AA too. You know, 
people will say, oh, how can you quit alcohol? You were such a drinker. You were such a partier. You were, you know, and you know, <laughs> how did you get sober and this? And oh, you got sober. And I just say, no, I got sober in the emergency room of Henry Ford Hospital when, you know, because they told me I had MS. That's what got me sober. It was like a serious uh, flip, but for like maintenance, for like mental maintenance. I, uh, I've gone to Buddhist recovery programs. So they're um, meditation, they're med driven through meditation. So I found a lot of relief in that. And then going to AA, I find a lot of like community support. Um, and then I'm gonna let it segue into this piece of emotional sobriety. Uh, because when I was first diagnosed, all I did was like, and I continue to do that. I don't want to act like I don't do it anymore. All I do is just continue researching because I'm so interested and I want to learn more and I want to keep going. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I learned was how important it is to release this suppressed emotion. And I was like, well, I just have so much of years and years and years of drinking and trauma and this and that. So I just started, um, going at it with my health team, my therapist. I mean, we work through some really intense stuff. Some days I'm crying all day, just, I mean, not all day, but I'm crying. I'm just letting it go. Um, I'm going to these meetings, I'm sharing and I'm just letting it go. Uh, but it's important for me to have like these special containers. I'm not just going to show up to this person's house and hang out and then start crying. It's like, I have my AA, my recovery folks who I talk to for this. And I have my health team that I talk to for this. And my mom, man, I talk to her for everything. But <laughs> <laughs> I know I hear you uh, mention her a lot when you go live. Your mom is there um, watching you do your cooking demos and things like that. She really seems to be a tremendous support for you. So how we sort of jumped um to where you are today with your team, but how did you hear about plant-based nutrition? I'm, I, I'm always curious, like what gets people on board? Is it a documentary, a book you, re you read, or part of the research as you were learning about multiple sclerosis? Yeah, uh, so when I was first diagnosed, I, I just had to find the cure. I had to figure out how, you know, the perfectionist in me, the overachiever, the typical autoimmune personality, if you will, I just had to figure it out. And I just, you know, there's, there's this protocol and there's this way and there's this way and there's this way. And I'm re you know, learning about all the diets and I'm, I don't, you know, I don't, um, I'm not judging any or the other, but none of them really fit with me there. You know, this one was like, you can eat this amount of meat and you can eat this much. Cause I used to eat meat. So like eating meat wasn't frightening for me, but it was like, but you can only eat this kind of carbs and you can eat this much of, and so I thought, okay, well, that's not for me. And then, you know, and so on and so forth. But then I found this program and it was called overcoming multiple sclerosis. Uh, it's a nonprofit. I have the book. Um, but I, I found this group online, o OMS overcoming multiple sclerosis. And it is uh, folks can get the book for free. There's free resources. So it's like, it was very different than um, what I was used to seeing. And it's a, it's a seven step program of lifestyle medicine and um, also like uh, pharmaceutical medicine if needed. So it, it also 
provided like a space where people didn't get shamed if they were on medication. It invited it in addition to let's change our lives. Let's meditate every day. Let's change what we eat. Let's um, use research. This is what really got me. Um, it was rooted in research. It is rooted in research and I still follow it. And, um, and that really, and, and there's people who have followed this OMS program of lifestyle, um, of plant-based nutrition and different supplementations of omega and vitamin D and they just have soared and they have just the most beautiful lives. Uh, one of my friends, she's like, oh, I just ran a 10K and she has MS. And it's stuff like that that keeps me going. You know, I'm two years in, stuff still feels weird. My balance can still be off if I don't sleep well. Things, you know, things are weird. Things are not um, always 100%, but it's people like that talking to, you know, oh, I just ran a 10K or I lifted this. I have a friend who does she has ms she does like aerial stuff she's on ropes and climbing and i just you know i i try to stick with the people who are doing things that i want to do so where is the fear in all of this 10 being like scary less than five wow i think there will always be a little bit of fear right even with cancer survivors and things like there's always that i don't know what my body's going to do next kind of thing it really feels good to have a community of folks who are doing the same thing and seeing positive results. Um, and, and it can be like kind of lonely to eat. Like I, I follow a whole food plant-based diet to the T. Um, like it, like things are non-negotiable for me. I don't slip and have fries. I don't slip and have this ice cream with some type of, um, oil in it or some type of chemical. I, I eat all organic. I don't, um, and it can be very lonely too, you know, but for me, it's like worth it. What you're doing with yourself, you're also seeking an optimal level of health. And so in order to get to that level, you really have to be honest with yourself. Like, are you eating processed foods? Are you still putting in all those um, additives, preservatives that we know now? It can affect our health. It sounds like you have a good support system too with other people that are on the same journey that like you say, are seeing results. One other question about when you made that change nutrition wise, how long did it take before you saw kind of a significant change or improvements just on the diet itself? Well, significant changes, I would say immediately I saw changes um, because I, I followed this program like really strictly and I woke up I meditated I worked out you know and it's like if anybody followed such a program they would feel you know pretty good I woke up I worked out I meditated I journaled I um did you know work did my produce meal prepped and um so mm -hmm. immediately I started feeling better and uh like I couldn't balance on one foot for six seconds. That was like when I was first diagnosed and now um, at physical therapy, because I still do keep up like maintenance. I put so much work into it. Um, and now at physical therapy, I was on my foot for uh, left foot. I was 60 seconds and right foot. I was 45 seconds from going six seconds, you know? So, and it's that consistent commitment and, um, I just have such a hunger to continue to be well. People will ask me, 
isn't it so hard for you to give up meat and eat this way? I said, no. What's hard is MS, you know, or like people are like, don't you miss this? And then, and then I say, no, nothing tastes better than walking. Not a thing. There's not one thing in this world that tastes better than walking. And when did you change your path to want to be not only a health coach, but now create a support group, create a program where you're now supporting others? I was searching for my purpose. You know, I was diagnosed for M with MS and I thought this can't be for nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, and I just, I felt, I feel this calling inside of me. I feel like I want to share with everybody. I want everybody to know. I want every single person impacted with MS or other chronic conditions, any chronic condition. I want them to know that they have um, the power inside themselves to heal and to make changes. And even if it's a little bit at a time, something is better than nothing. And there are people who can help you. Um, that's why I try to produce these like free videos because, you know, there are resources and people can use them. I used a ton of um, motivational speakers on YouTube to help me get through, you know, to continue to help me get through, but this diagnosis and, um, and I want to do, I want to be able to do the same and work with people and just teach them that like, we can, we can recover and we can have an optimal life, you know, the best quality of life. And so you develop chronic movement, which I love the name. That's the name of your website as well. Chronic movement. It started off as chronic fitness. So I started it as chronic fitness and I kind of thought like, I don't think that this, the word fitness is painting a picture of what, what this is about, because mm -hmm. it's really, you know, fitness can be like just having muscles or uh, having abs. And that's not what chronic movement's about. We don't care if you have abs. Nobody cares if you have abs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you care about like, it's a movement. It's about, and there's like that word movement. It's like movement in your mind. Are we even, even the smallest movements, are we causing change? You know, it's just a little change, a little bit of move, movement in our bodies, constantly moving movement with the way we eat. Are we changing what we eat? Because we all need to, mm -hmm. to be moving. And then just coming together as this giant movement, uh, this plant-based movement, this lifestyle medicine movement, where we can just build community and share recipes and work out together, you know, what does chronic movement entail? So at chronic movement, uh, we're in the business of empowering and educating people to be an advocate for their own health, uh, to mm -hmm. understand that we have the power to, to decide how our health is going to go. And also I, and to bring awareness to the opportunities. Not everybody knows that eating a bunch of plants will heal you. You know, it like, it's not something, nobody taught me that in school. Nobody, you know, we're taught you eat this thing in a box or you eat, you know, it's quick and convenient and this tastes good. And, um, but people don't know what's available. Sometimes people don't know how helpful it is to seek therapy or how helpful it is to, to, to get a daily workout in or to try meditation. And this is all stuff that's rooted in research. This is available for you. And now you can use it to create the life, the life that you want. 
Definitely. Yes. So what did 2020 look like for you? Was chronic movement taking place at that time? And if people are interested in, you know, joining your movement, being a client of yours, how, what does that all look like? Yeah. So 2020 was such an extraordinary year. Uh, so I'm te- I, during 2020, I was teaching still, and I had a few clients we worked out. Um, I did a lot of, uh, and I still have a few clients right now um, for personal training. And I have one client who I'm seeing as a health coach, um, but I offer all types of stuff. I do meal planning, nutrition counseling, um, health coaching, but also life coaching. If, you know, if, if people are stuck and need some motivation to find a new career or make some changes or adjust their lives, uh, adjust their eating. Really, uh, chronic movement is, it's kind of like a, what do you, what's going to serve you? And how can I provide it to improve the quality of your life and add value to your life? But it's very, um, it's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. People are not one size fits all when you're dealing with chronic illness. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they want to get in contact with me, my website is uh, www.chronicmovement.life. I also have the Facebook page, facebook.com slash chronic movement. My email address is chronicmovementdet at gmail.com. I have a TikTok and an Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I need to check you out on TikTok. I just created an account, but I haven't done anything because I know that once I start looking at other accounts, I'm going to be hooked according to, you know, what people say. Now, the people that you work with, you don't, um, let me just, you know, clarify, they don't necessarily have to have multiple sclerosis. Is that right? Do you work with anybody or do they have to have a chronic condition? I'll work with anybody who wants to make a change. Anybody Mm -hmm. who's interested in improving the quality of their life. Anybody who has the willingness to Mm -hmm. make a change, be committed. And anybody who needs a little push. And and also, I want to say with the work that you're doing as a coach, you hear a lot of of cases, a lot of stories as well. Does that affect you ever? It affects me in the, in the sense of I, I'm learning, uh, I continue to learn how to take these sadnesses and turn them into fuel to come out the other way. And I think that that gift of mine is like something I've really learned how to turn on with MS because, you know, someone delivered me like some really heavy news. And I took that news and I created this like beautiful garden with it. When people share with me their um, stories and their, you know, I, I, I see a vision for them. I see a vision of how this, um, how this can be used as fertilizer. Speaking of gardens, I saw in one of your videos that you you garden your food. You also, I mean, tell us just a little bit more about what people can expect when you go live. You also share some of the things that you're working on, um, like your garden. So uh, I do What's Cooking Wednesday. Wednesday is 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the goal is to make accessible, accessible in terms of like affordable ingredients, things that 
you can find at the grocery store. So accessible um, meals that can be made in about 30 minutes or less, maybe sometimes 40, but overall 30 minutes or less uh, for, for people just to teach and show people like you can make you can make this super easy if you have 30 minutes and make a whole bunch and eat it for a few days. And um, because I want to like uh, give people no room for excuses, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have time to cook this way. Well, mm-hmm. I just made this in 15 minutes. You don't, you don't have 15 minutes. That's how much the box of pasta, you know, or it's not affordable. And that's touchy too, but I try to find ingredients that are affordable beans and, um, veggies and nothing super fancy. So you say that it's touchy, but it's realistic, Rachel, you would be surprised. I mean, how many people always use that excuse that is too expensive. And I a lot of times I always point out to the fact that if you eat out at a restaurant that cooks plant based foods, and I don't know why those dishes are so much more expensive than when you if you can replicate the same thing at home, a lot of times you're paying for the experience of dining out period. So no matter what you eat, you will be paying more. So Rachel, um, going back to chronic movement, can you talk about what your mission and vision and values are for that movement that you're establishing? Our mission for uh, chronic movement is to empower and educate people with chronic conditions um, that they can overcome all, all barriers and improve the quality of their life. And a key component is through a gentle process. And that's that's what I think is super important for um, folks to know if they wanna embark on this journey, that with chronic movement, it will be a gentle process that will push a person. You know, we always have to push ourselves to grow and that's part of our values too, is like always pushing ourselves to grow, um, trying different things, uh, community, honesty, communication, um, but, it's all, it all has to be gentle and through a, an avenue of compassion and kindness, first and foremost, uh, to ourselves. And that's what we teach people at Chronic Movement. Mm, I love that. And, that, and that's kind of, I w- as you were saying that, I was thinking that pushing ourselves kind of to puts us in a different mindset and crowds out fear, right? And because fear is what overwhelms us overwhelms us when we either have been diagnosed or are just dealing with health problems. It's like we feel we're we are at the mercy of that situation. But you're talking about empowering people so that they can take control of their health and then also um, challenge themselves so that um, they can be in a better place, especially like when you talk about physical movement, things like that, the more you become physically active and challenge yourself, the more your self esteem goes up, you reduce stress, it's just a whole this dynamic program. And then of course, you know, you've provided your website, it's chronicmovement.life. All your links will be on um, our show notes. And also I, I wanted to mention you're very active on social media as well. Well, you're active everywhere. Is there anything else you'd like to share about that? Like what you post on social media? So yeah, a couple of the things I have Monday message. So every Monday I uh, create a message, just like a, a little tidbit of advice, two minutes, um, well, not even of advice, just a message of how to live our lives, whether if it deals with being gentle with ourselves or getting started or showing compassion or putting first things first, uh, just like a quick little message of empowerment for the week. So that comes out every Monday. 
Uh, and another thing that I'm doing is live cooking events. So I have my first live cooking event on June 13th. It's a cooking class. It's uh, plant-based desserts. So that'll be really fun and delicious. And then uh, just keep an eye out. There's going to be one or two each month. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to all of that. Um, very excited about what you've created um, as a result of this diagnosis. And, you know, I would love for you to come back in the future and tell us where you're at and how your group is growing and what all if you have, um, if you, there's, if there are like any testimonies from people that you work with that you'd like to share, um, or just give us a follow up in terms of how you're doing, I would love for you to come back again. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be cool. Okay. Awesome. It's been so nice getting to know you, Rachel. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Plant Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.